0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: everyone and welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me is Dr. Antoinette Harrell for a discussion entitled, Funeral Programs Tell the Community Story. Funeral programs serve as a wonderful legacy and memento to remember a cherished loved one. These programs are given at funerals and are written with great care to honor the dearly departed. This show will discuss the genealogical value of the funeral programs and how genealogists and family historians can partner with funeral homes, churches, and others to gather, organize, and compile these programs to tell the community's story. Dr. Antoinette Harrell is a renowned genealogist, author, and local historian, specializing in Tangipahoa and St. Helena Parishes of Louisiana. Her books include several children's genealogy activity books and the first-ever publication, Images of America, African Americans in Tangipahoa and St. Helena Parishes. In addition to her books, she is also the host of Nurturing Our Roots Genealogy Zoom Sessions. Dr. Harrell has been featured in many national and international magazines and other media, such as on Vice for her peenage and genealogy research, attracting over 3 million viewers. So let me just give a warm welcome to Dr. Antoinette Harrell. Welcome, Antoinette.
0: Thank you, Bernice, for having me as a guest on your show. I'm excited to spend this time talking to you about genealogy. And once again, thank you for having me as a guest. Well, I'm
1: just so happy to have you because this topic about funeral programs telling the community story, I think, is very important. So how
0: can funeral programs tell the community story? Berge, when we think about funeral programs, it tells a little bit about that person's life, uh, their family connections, when they was born, to whom they was born, and their brothers and sisters, and also if someone in their family um, has passed away, a brother, a sister, or the parents. And what I like about them, it, it lists the church. It tells where that person is going to be buried at. It also gives a little bit about their occupations And sometimes um, any awards that person may have uh, received in their lifetime, it depends on how extensive that family member who is putting together that funeral program goes go into details.
1: Well, I understand that you have acquired a large number of funeral programs. So how did you actually come uh, about obtaining these programs?
0: Okay, my family members um, who own Richardson's Funeral Home, first of all, it was my great on my maternal side of the family, founded started the funeral home back in the 60s, the late 60s, early 70s. And my, the, I think it's the 4th, Generation now that has taken over the funeral home. And one day, my first cousin, Joanne Frazier, she was going through these boxes and boxes of funeral programs that they had uh, in their possessions because they're moving now. And they said, What are we going to do with them? And Joanne said, We dare not throw them away. We need to contact Antoinette. And that's what they did. And when I went to the funeral home, I couldn't believe my eyes there was all these boxes that Eddie Brazil was going through. I mean boxes and boxes of uh funeral programs, and that's how I got them. They donated them to me for preservation.
1: Wow, what a treasure, and it's just wonderful that they even thought of you to donate those funeral homes so i mean indeed me, it funeral is. records, but how far back did the funeral uh programs go, Antoinette?
0: Most of them went back to the early 80s, and when I was indexing them, um, I noticed that there was a few that belonged to people that was born in 1879 was the earliest year, 1879. You know, that was like, but I, I noticed that the earlier ones that people that was born in eighteen eighty nine, they didn't say very much about the people. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this person really lived a long time. Uh so I did see quite a few that list eighteen eighty three, uh, but there was a lot of them from nineteen hundred, like a lot of people that was born nineteen oh one, nineteen hundred, nineteen ten. There was a lot of, of those there. Mhm.
1: And were those people all from Saint Helena and Tangipahoa parishes, or from the surrounding areas.
0: The surrounding areas, I would say, about eighty percent of them was from Saint uh, Helena and Tangipahoa, but there was surrounding areas like Livingston, Washington Parish, some even from Mississippi, and some from Orleans as well.
1: Hmm. So when you began to just look at these records, because you may you said something about indexing. So tell us, I mean, did you see any kind of trend as you reviewed these funeral programs as far as what they said in the eighteen you know, late eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred, and what they were saying like in nineteen
0: eighty and nineteen ninety? I just noticed that the ones in the eighteen let's say the person that died in eighteen seventy nine and uh, died almost plus eighty five years later, did it Say very much, but what I did notice as a trend is that maybe the persons who was uh, compiling the information just didn't know anything, just did not know enough to reference that person's life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really want to to look at what could we do to start to advise people to learn about that person before that person's passed or that person passed away, because sometimes. It could be that under the stress of making the arrangement, uh, they just couldn't think, you know, because sometimes that happens to some people. You know, you lost a loved one and you just can't think right now. But I saw that a lot of the ones that I would have wanted to really learn about them, they didn't have that much information. At all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Not as far as occupation. They just had when they were born and when they died. Mm-hmm. Did they have their family members? I mean, at least none of them. Some father. of them didn't?
0: No, no. Some mm-hmm. of them did not even mention their mother and their father's name. Uh, I even found that there was some that was lacking the birth of that person just a year, uh, but mm-hmm. they didn't know. So I just gathered that maybe they just didn't know a lot of information about that person.
1: And because these uh records were in boxes uh when we when we think about preservation, were they all in good condition, or did you find a an very, array of
0: conditions very no very good conditions. I found them to be in excellent condition, if you would ask me um the older ones they didn't have a lot of photographs they maybe had had something like a cross or um, the praying hands on it, but the photographs really didn't come about until like the eighties. I started to see a lot of uh, obitual, uh, you know, funeral programs that uh, placed the photographs of the person on it.
1: Did you see um, a lot of churches mentioned, or was it one or two churches that you found most of the individuals
0: uh, being no, funeralized from? It was no, it was a lot of churches. Uh, Matter of fact, I would say 90% of them missed the churches and the cemeteries. So that was really good, you know, um, the church that person belonged to as well as where that person was being funeralized at. So it did have that information on it.
1: So that's part of the community story uh, regarding the, the churches that people did
0: attend.
1: So how many in total were you able to gather from the uh, Richardson Funeral Home It's well
0: over 200 mm-hmm. Because I um, I The index consists of, consists of 27 Pages So it's well over 200 And I want to go back to what you said about The history of the community A lot of the obituaries did Mention the schools that those individuals Attended oh, uh, So okay. that was something else I found Too as well a lot of the um, O.W. Dillon Training School, the Tancho-Hole Paris Color Schools. It did mention a lot, and uh, I, I saw that information started uh, somewhere in the 90s where they started to add just a little bit more information. So I did find a lot of the color schools was mentioned in those obituary collections.
1: Mm-hmm. And you said, so you have two, a little over 200, and you mentioned INDEX. Now, who did this
0: INDEX? I did. I mean, uh, there's no way I could have donated this collection to Southeastern or the library without knowing, you know, the names of every individual. So what I did, I just went to Excel, and I created my own uh, field, which was the surname, the given name, the year that person was born, the year that person died. So those were the four fields that I created. And when I finished, I put it all in alphabetical order uh, and created that, that uh, index. And so the index will go with the collection when I donated on February 22nd, uh, which is next week. But I also would take a copy of the 26-page index to the Amit Genealogy Library. Now, I did find that there were some duplicates. So instead mm-hmm. of throwing the duplicates away, I decided to donate that to the Amit Genealogy Library. And I think I made, probably had about 50 uh, obituaries that would go that way of duplicates.
1: So you've mentioned two things. First of all, you mentioned that you, you put together, well, more than two, that you put together the index, but that you also mm-hmm. identified two places where information was going to go. One was to Southeast East. Um, University And then the other to the uh, Library Why did you select those Two places
0: Well because A lot of the obituaries 80% of them are the people that Basically live in the uh, Florida, the two Florida parishes I thought it would be appropriate For me to uh, Really use the Southeast, uh, the Louisiana Southeast studies here as the repository for that collection because it's about the local people, and I really didn't want to put it in, in New Orleans because a lot of people, you know, they wouldn't go to the Amistad and see it, but because it is part of the, the Florida parishes here, I thought the Center for Southeast uh, Louisiana Studies would be the best place to rep- reposit those uh, funeral programs and the AMET Genealogy Library. Now, when I talked to... Uh, Barry Bradford, the executive director, he said that they would scan them and put them mm-hmm. online. Now, I do know that uh, Southeastern will not do that. They would have to actually go there and see them. Uh, but I know that the library is planning on scanning the ones that I donate to them. Oh, wow. It
1: would be really nice if they would scan all
0: of them. For that mm-hmm. matter,
1: I I received a, a notice Facebook notice actually that the Augusta Public Library has over a thousand digitized funeral programs.
0: Oh, really? And
1: yes, yes, and so which is absolutely wonderful because that is definitely if it's digitized, you can access it immediately. I mean, not mm-hmm. to say that it's not important that they would not have access to the index. But if it's digitized, wow, that's something that they can just pull, download maybe from uh, their computer to look at. Mm
0: -hmm. You don't
1: know how Mm -hmm. many people wish that they could find funeral programs. And we have people that I call people the obituary collectors or the funeral program collectors. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what they're doing with all of these funeral programs and what advice would you give them?
0: I would advise them if they don't want them to find the local genealogist or the genealogy society and donate it to them, if not, contact the genealogy library in that area and donate it to them. But please, please do not throw them away. Whatever Mm -hmm. you do, do not throw them away because it offers a lot of information. And like you said a few minutes ago, people wish that they did have a copy of an obituary of their family member. I hear people, I receive emails all the time from people asking me, you know, have I come across this obituary of a family member? And sometimes I can help them, and then there's times that I just don't have it.
1: Wow. Well, let me just ask you something, because you have such a a range in years. Do you or did you see any... Military folks, World War One, World War Two, for that matter, in any of the obituaries.
0: Yeah, and thank you for asking that because I was really surprised to see that out of that many uh, obit uh, funeral programs that I only came across two World War Two veterans mm-hmm. out of uh, those two uh, hundred something. Uh, But, again, you know, we're being so removed from that at this point that a lot of the World War II veterans, you know, but I was really surprised. Now, that's not to say that that person, uh, it could have been more people that served in the military, but the person, once again, who was uh, organizing the information for that funeral program may not have known that that person served in World War II. Mm
1: -hmm. But I
0: did come across, too. And that was it. Right,
1: right. Well, you mentioned something earlier, I mean, that sometimes information is left out because the person who's writing may be under a lot of stress and may not Mm -hmm. be able to put in the full story about the dearly departed. So what kind of recommendations would you give to individuals, let's say, before they pass away, what what should they do and how can – their memory be shared with others?
0: Well, you know, Bernice, uh, whenever you talk about a person passing on, that's a very hard subject. And especially if there's an elderly person in the family and the children um, may not even want to bring that subject up. And sometimes the parent may be trying to tell them, I want, and, and the children don't, do not want to come to, um, Understand that this person is trying to give you some information. Not that they'll die today or tomorrow, but they're just trying to prepare you. We, I think, what happens is people don't want to come to grips that we have to pass. We're going to die. Mm-hmm. But I'd much rather if if a person can, like myself, I have taken it upon myself to write my own funeral um, program. Mm -hmm. I have two children and my two sons. I hope to, I I don't ever want to to bury my two children. No, I don't want to do that. But i much rather write down information right now than to have to do it in a distressed time. And so it's wise to be, you know, to put your business affairs in order now, just what what would you want said Because you can leave out a lot of valuable information And whether you know it, whether you do it now Or whether you do it later Somebody's going to have to do it And so I would say to anyone Just, and you don't have to write it in an obituary form Just remember that But just write it, write down a paragraph Or whatever it is that you want to be said about you Mm -hmm. This is what Mm -hmm. I want to be said about me In my funeral program Please attach this to that And that's all You don't have Mm -hmm. to go through the whole funeral uh, Program format if you don't want to But if you want to do that You want to pick out the photograph You want to pick out uh, You know whoever you want To be the pallbearers Whatever it is Just write down what you want and, And make sure that you have it with your affairs With your other papers and so that if someone had to take it to, you know, the funeral directors, here it is. This is what he or she left. This is what we need to be a part of that funeral program, or whoever going to be doing it.
1: Uh huh. And you just said photographs. So some of the newer uh, funeral pro- programs are looking like books, and they have mm-hmm. photos in those programs. And just a lot of information. What kind of advice would you give to individuals who have chosen to put together a book for the funeral program and include photos?
0: I would advise a person to think about 10, 20 years from now. Uh, let's say 10 years from now. That child mm-hmm. may be 10 years old at this time, but 10 years from now they are 20. And if they're looking at great-grandmothers or grandmothers' or obituary and they see all these pictures, they may not recognize anyone in there. But I do know that there's a collage of pictures that's in those booklets. But if we can put the captions, you know, if there's three people, you know, in the picture, if you know who those three people are, if you can put in there a in the small captions from left to right, name those individuals because it'll be worth a lot uh, later on because – I see them all the time, but I don't recognize anybody in there. And so Mm -hmm. I'm looking at them saying, okay, I see a lot of the photographs. You see the person who passed away in there, but you don't know, you may not even know the other people. Now, as genealogists, we're always thinking about leaving something for the future. And in order Mm -hmm. to do that, what could we better today? What could we change? That's good to have all the photographs, but if, you know, you want to add a caption of, who it is in that photograph, in that image?
1: Good advice, really good advice. Well, do you have any other recommendations for individuals that may want to serve as the collector, as you have for your community? Uh, because you you were very fortunate to have a, to know the uh, funeral uh, owner. But what about those that? maybe have not established a relationship with a funeral home. How can they almost do what you've done? Replicate your your process of getting the obituaries.
0: You know, not every funeral home keeps them. We need to understand that as well. Not mm-hmm. every funeral home Keep the funeral programs. Now they will keep, they will not keep the funeral program. It just happened to be that the funeral home uh, Richardson's Funeral Home had an employee named Eddie Brazil who just kept everybody's uh, funeral program and I guess you know the funeral director need the programs to go by but one thing that we can do we can try to establish a relationship if you don't have a relationship with your local funeral homes uh, and just start to talk to them and say well you know if you don't mind if you would just put them in a box I'll be happy to come and pick them up and and explain to them what type of services that these funeral home, these funeral programs uh, are to genealogists and to people who are looking to research their family history. I would advise anyone to establish to establish a relationship with the local funeral home. And
1: what about the churches?
0: Yes, by all means, the churches, uh, even schools, uh, any institution that has anything to do with people, I would advise them to start to establish a relationship with the secretaries of the churches, speak to the secretaries. Matter of fact, Mm -hmm. I think what we need to do is look at creating a Zoom meeting, speaking to the secretaries at the churches, and Mm -hmm. asking them to preserve that information and not throw it away. Because, you know, looking outside of, let's say, most black churches, uh if they was not catholic there was not good records kept in the churches mm-hmm. not at all and uh,
1: right and you know i'm just wondering let's just let's just talk for a minute do you basically feel that family members need to give permission to the funeral homes or to the genealogy groups to even Scan those funeral programs or is it kind of open to anybody? Do we have to worry about well, copyright?
0: No, because they disseminate this information at the funeral. Now, if a person really wants to make sure that nobody takes the information and does anything with it, they need to put a copyright on mm-hmm. that funeral program before they disseminated at a funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you put out that information, uh, they're giving those little those that information away. And so mm-hmm. um, I would say if someone was concerned about taking the contents and you know, about that person's life, just go ahead and, and put a copyright symbol on it. And put copyrights, all rights reserved. And you know, I have never seen a
1: funeral program with all rights reserved. I just have not but since seen you that. brought that
0: question yeah, yeah no, mm-hmm. but since mm-hmm. you brought that question up, if a person mm-hmm. wanted to do that and it, and and especially if they are adding photographs, you know, and they don't want anybody to take those photographs and do anything with them, that would be the best thing to do.
1: Hmm. Well, we're coming close to the end of the show. Do you have any, any parting words of wisdom for those of us who are very interested in funeral programs telling the
0: community story? Well, uh, Bernice, I would like to say if you know anybody that have collections of them, because a lot of times the elders in the community have collections of obituaries talk to them and find out what it is that they are going to do with them and if they would like to donate them to you to preserve, you know, because everybody has them, you know, most homes have funeral programs of, of different family members and friends. So uh all I would like to say to everyone, just do not throw them away.
1: And Bobby I wanna thank
0: you once again for having me as a guest on your blog talk radio. Right
1: well Thank you so much.
0: And everyone, remember,
1: your ancestors left footprints, and some of those footprints are right there in the funeral programs. So thank you so much, Antoinette, for joining me today, and I look forward to everyone joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett. Bye-bye.